Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week, clearing the docket. With me, as every week, is the star of Fox's Herman's Head, Judge John Hodgman. Uh, I'm sorry, Jesse. Once again, you got me confused with Yardley Smith. (laughs) (laughs) The classic mistake. Well... Joining us as well here in the Max Fun Studio. Hang on, hang on. I know we've got a very special guest. I'm so yeah. excited that this person is here. But I gotta, yeah. I gotta say, I watched Terman's Head in its original run when that was yeah. on Fox. I watched it. I was down with Herman's Head, and I was like, "This Yeardley Smith is going places." I didn't know that she was the voice of Lisa Simpson. And then I met her. You didn't her. notice from her extraordinarily <laughs> distinctive voice. No. Well, it was early. T- you have to understand, this was, you know, 100 years ago. And I was, and I met her. I met her at the Emmys, and I said, I loved you in Herman's head, and she didn't talk to me. All right, go on. Iced. Iced by Yeardley Smith. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Yeardley Smith doesn't need my snarky jokes. Our guest is the millennial Yeardley Smith, the host of Max Fund's own Baby Geniuses, a writer on... HBO's smash hit action comedy, Perry. Uh, she also has a stand-up special premiering on Comedy Central's digital platforms on March 8th, the one and only Ms. Emily Heller. Emily Hello. Heller, welcome. So happy Thank you so here. much. This is the reunion that everyone has been waiting for. The Code Fellows reunion. <laughs> the Code Fellows reunion special. The fans have been clamoring. Now look, everyone knows who Emily Heller is. Uh, and you probably don't know that she and I co-starred in a web-only animated project co-created by Brian Spinks and David Reese called Code Fellas, where we played spies and we had the greatest time doing voices together. That was truly very fun. I had a great time. I think about that more often than I probably would just because I occasionally will check to see if someone has made me a Wikipedia page. Oh. And when I look up my name, Code Fellas comes up. But I do not have my own Wikipedia page. You still don't have a Wikipedia page? <laughs> no, I think what? someone tried to make one crudely, and they did a bad enough job that Wikipedia was like, this isn't real. But you've, you're have you notable, right? You've, <laughs> you've been written about twice. I feel I should uh, have one. Yeah, I'm, I'm notable. I am a, an award nominee and winner at this point. Yeah, both. Yeah. You deserve a Wikipedia page, if only for the Getty Images prank. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, think of the images they could use. I guess you couldn't use the Getty Images one. (laughs) We should explain. Emily, can you tell us what John is referring to? Uh, John is referring to, I mean, and if you Google my name, it will be one of the first things that comes up, um, which I'm very proud of. Uh, I went to the Emmys last year for the first time uh, as a producer on Barry, and I uh, custom made a clutch that looked like a Getty Images watermark so that uh, on the red carpet (laughs) I could hold it up and in the picture you wouldn't be able to tell if it was a Getty Images photo or not. My idea was I was like, well, I don't think anyone's going to take a picture of me unless they have a reason to. Um, (laughs) But also, uh, also my feeling was like, I kind of feel like the Getty Images watermark has become its own symbol of I was at a fancy place. Right. And I felt like as I can just ha- buy that now. Yeah. If, if folks, if, if you don't know, uh, Getty Images 
is a, is a stock photo company. They take pictures of celebrities at all sorts of red carpets and social events and premieres and stuff. And then they, they sell those images for use in newspapers and magazines and, and websites and stuff. And before you can own them, they have a watermark on them that says Getty Images. And Emily perfectly recreated the watermark and put it on a clutch that she held in front of her and it looked like she was in a Getty Images photo. It was really, really, yes. really funny. And so... Thank you very much. That is just right. one section in the Wikipedia page that I am challenging a listener of Judge John Hodgman to make... Stop the podcast and go make it right now and then you can come back and listen to the rest. That's, that's for you. Emily, are you prepared to uh, meet out some justice with us on this program? Always. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Here is something from... Lauren, my partner Troy still uses physical paper statements for his bills and transactions, which end up accumulating in unsightly piles all over the house. When I try to get rid of these piles, he claims he will file them, which really means they end up in one large heap on his desk. (laughs) While I agree that some paper statements are unavoidable, most of this deluge of paper could be avoided if he were to sign up to receive electronic billing. Not only would this reduce the amount of clutter in our home, but it would also be less wasteful and overall better for the environment. Please order Troy to sign up for the paperless statements so we can get out from under this paper dot, 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 wait. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Oh, Lauren, I think you could have resisted. (laughs) Yeah, Emily just turned against you <laughs> <Yeah>. real hard. <laughs> oh yeah, that that knocked me right off the fence. <laughs> Emily Heller, do you want me to start? Well, <laughs> I have a question for you. This is a, you yes. can take this as a prompt, uh, or you can talk about whatever you want. You know, I grew up in a time. Uh, 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 nostalgia is a toxic impulse. That's what we say on this podcast. I don't like to romanticize the past, but I grew up in a time uh, where mail came in the mail. Herman's head was burning up the TV screens. <laughs> and, and Parker Lewis couldn't lose. <laughs> and, and I was contacted by the phone company to say that we hadn't paid our bill in the house that I shared with a bunch of pe- young people. And I, and I needed to find the bill to prove that I had paid it. And I couldn't find that bill because I threw it away. And since then, I've hoarded every paper bill that I've ever gotten. And it's not healthy. But you are of a of, of a new, uh, younger uh, generation. You're Generation Getty Images. I am. Do you even know what a paper bill is? Uh, yeah, I have a giant pile of them on my desk. Oh, you do? Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, here was what was going through my mind listening to this call. Was even if this Troy person signs up for online billing, that will not solve... The organizational problem at the root of this. Go he on. Simply hoard the e bills on his computer and be similarly ill equipped to tackle them. I, as someone who has like a very disorganized office, I understand that like having a physical reminder of a task you need to do is sometimes your way of uh, remembering to do it. Mm-hmm. But I also think this is more of a, um, if possible, a couples counseling issue where uh, it's important to have a space in your home that is just yours, that does not belong to your partner. Very wise. Where you can hoard to your heart's content uh, and keep it away from the other person so that it's not an issue. But I do think the situation won't change until Troy wants it to change. So let me understand what you're saying here. You suspect, as I do, 
that Troy is uh, uh, disorganized. Um, yes. That even if he were to get only electronic bills, he would hoard those electronic bills. Mm-hmm. And is basically disqualified from adulthood and can't handle himself. <laughs> no, I don't know. That. <laughs> Not necessarily that. No. Perhaps he has diagnosed or undiagnosed ADHD. Sure. I was diagnosed two years ago. And one of the many, uh, you know, symptoms oh, of ADHD is a pile of papers that you don't know what to do with. Well, I apologize for making the the mistake, obviously, of long distance diagnosis of Troy. And I take that under advisement. But I think you're quite right that if he hoarded electronic bills, Lauren might be happier because they're not lying around all the place. But at heart, he, he would still have the anxiety that the pile represents and that maybe he needs to seek some amelioration for that as an underlying issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Either way, signing up for electronic bills will not address the core problem that's at the root of this, which is that this person does not have a workable system for dealing with their bills. And the my, my guess is that e-bills would be the same. Right. And what I recommend, rather than creating a rule of no paper bills, would be and this is, you know, setting aside whether or not this person has diagnosed or undiagnosed ADHD, but just as someone who has ADHD and is learning how to cope with it, one of the ways to alleviate the burden of some tasks that are harder for people with ADHD is to ensure that there is sufficient structure in place to prevent everyday tasks from looming over you because that makes you incapable of approaching them. So if you as a household decided we are going to have a very structured, non-optional time of the month when we deal with our bills. Right. So it's not something that you have to will yourself to opt into. That would probably help Troy approach this stack of bills more easily than just telling him to get it under control. And possibly a a physical analog as well, like a place where the bills go when they come in the mail and a place where they go when they're, where they've are they been handled. Yes. An inbox, an outbox, a shred box. A cat box. Yes. <laughs> a worm bin. <laughs> a bird box. <laughs> yeah. A worm bin. Yeah. You're talking about like a compost heap in the living room? Fantastic. Yes. This would be a way for Lauren to support Troy rather than just complain about him to a podcast, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. One you know, of the things about ADHD is that... um. The pressure to do something, sometimes like the way you think about a task as something that's like preventing your happiness can lead to a spiral of shame and inaction. Right. So if that's what's going on in this situation, Lauren, then I think you should have a conversation with Troy and figure out how how you can help him deal with this pile rather than just feel annoyed by it. And now unsightly piles are unsightly piles. I think, Emily, you also made a very good point which is that that maybe it's unsightly to Lauren, but Troy doesn't feel this anxiety. Maybe this is just the system that works for him. And maybe it just looks ugly to her. And the, and in that case, that's why it's important for people who live together to have certain private spaces to where, where they can be... To be disgusting. To, to be disgusting, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, Troy, if you're doing this in your office uh, or your den or your work nook, then I think you're entitled to say to Lauren, uh, uh, buzz off. If you're doing this on the <laughs> dining room table, then you need to police your pile a little bit. So those are a couple of the a couple of the nuances to this case. But ultimately, this isn't a nuance podcast. This is a judgment podcast. In whose favor do I find? 
do I order Troy to go paperless or do we tell Lauren buzz off? What's your vote, Emily Heller? I rule in favor of Troy. Favor of Troy. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, we don't usually do this as a tribunal, but go ahead. Tell me your vote. I'm willing to find in favor of Troy if there is an alternative system being put in place. Yeah. Right. I absolutely agree. I, I rule conditionally in favor of Troy, uh, so long as his paper is not in a shared space, and so long as he is a system that is working for him and he's not working for the system, I have no problem with him staying paper full, but Lauren should support him and make sure, they should, both should make sure that the system is working for Troy rather than um, dominating his every waking moment with uh, fear and anxiety. <laughs> Here's something from Rachel. I often use a ballpoint pen around the house. After I'm done, I typically leave the ballpoint clicked open. This irritates my husband. He will follow me around the house while I use a pen, and if I leave it clicked open, he will pick it up and theatrically click it closed while I am watching. I doubt that clicking the ballpoint down actually increases its lifespan, and I don't think my husband actually cares about the pen's lifespan. I think his actions are just a manifestation of his anal retentive personality. Thank you, Dr. Freud. If you find in my favor I seek damages of a new box of ballpoint pens from my husband that I can leave open whenever I want. If you find in my husband's favor he seeks damages of a nice pen only he is allowed to use. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, there's been already some discussion of mental health and... Uh, Anal retentive is a term that is borrowed from Freudian psychoanalysis, which is one school of psychoanalysis, a fairly old, old school of psychoanalysis. And anal retentive speaks to a personality that is preoccupied uh, to distraction with little things, little details, like whether the pen is clicked in or not. Now, I know that there are a lot of uh, uh, younger people who listen to this podcast, maybe people who are in high school biology. So you folks probably also know that that anal refers to the anus, which is a, a part of the body. The anus is also the opening or hole at the end of a digestive tract. That, that hole is also what this husband is being in this case. <laughs> Just wanted to get that. Le- he's, he's being a little <laughs> bit of a digestive tract hole, if you know what I mean. Do you disagree with me, Emily Heller? <laughs> uh, I don't disagree with you. I think um, I think he's being a little ridiculous. This is one of the because because what right. is bo- truly there's a lot to break down. There's a lot it. to break down here. So there's a lot go. to break down. Is he worried about the cost of ink? Because this is one of the lowest cost things to just let slide. It sounds like there's another issue at play here. Oh, you think so? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think he I think he really wants to make those Bix last. It's just about the pens, for sure. (laughs) Of course. Why would it be anything else? Maybe the fact that rather than just sort of gently clicking the ballpoint back in later after she's done with it, he follows her around until she's finished. (laughs) That's a profoundly aggro thing to do, dude. Don't do that. It's very aggro. But I I do have a a small question, which is like, if it does truly bother him so much... I do think that, you know, every relationship should have some allowances for some irrational emotional behavior. Little weirdsies, Little as our friend weir- Linda yeah. Holmes calls them. The little weirdsies. Yeah. And I do wonder whether it's absent-mindedness or malice that leads this woman to leave the pens clicked 
open, as she puts it, which I don't think actually describes the situation, but I don't really know what word to use otherwise. Look, none of us are writers here. Yeah. (laughs) So you actually falter for not clicking those pens closed. I don't falter, but I just have questions. Not that his reaction is reasonable, but is there a small part of her that is trying to provoke Mm -hmm. subconsciously Mm -hmm. the irrational reaction in order to feel some sort of moral superiority. Either way, it sounds like a great marriage. It really does. <laughs> I have one uh, point of distinction here that that I would like to make, because I agree with you entirely, John. This husband's behavior is way beyond the pale. He's being a, a total end of digestive tract. But um, there are a couple circumstances like Rachel presumes that his objection is the lifespan of the pen Mm -hmm. Um, I would be surprised if that was his objection I don't think anyone believes that the lifespan of a pen is a true metric because everyone knows that no one has ever used all the ink (laughs) inside of a disposable pen right I think the bigger concern more likely is accidentally marking things. That's a great point. And that comes to me as a person with a, with a two-year-old in the house who right. will pick up any pen and mark things with it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the event that she is putting the pen down on, you know, the arm of a white sofa or uh, something equivalent rather than putting it away open in wherever the pens go, uh, I understand his concern to some extent for that reason. I, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. Although I think his behavior is is nonetheless appalling. Yeah. Right. Although I do think the emotion at the root of his behavior is, I need you to show me that my concerns matter to you. Mm-hmm. I need some kind of demonstration from you that what matters to me is important to you, whether you uh, share my concerns or not. Can I tell you guys something that happened in my family? Yes. Yes. Uh, We found ourselves often running out of pens at home because of the three pen hoarding, pen disregarding uh, mad people who live in our house, (laughs) my seven-year-old, five-year-old, and two-year-old. And so I went on Judge Sean Hodgman's parent website, the New York Times Wirecutter, formerly The Sweet Home, and I looked up best pen, and I found something called a Uniball Jetstream, which is a clicky pen. Mm-hmm. And I bought some of them for my wife for Christmas. In fact, I bought enough of them that we would never want for pens for at least years to come. <laughs> and it has been such a joy and delight in my life to always have a really good $3 pen around. Yeah. It was so worth the $40 that I spent on pens. That's uh, you raise a good point, because what Rachel says, like, if you rule in my favor, we will buy a bunch of disposable pens. If you rule in his favor, we will buy him one nice pen. Do both. Yes. I'm with you. I feel like a lot of times people get married and they assume they have to integrate every part of their lives without thinking critically about each additional integration. It sounds like you guys need to be a pen-independent couple. Yeah, you shouldn't integrate every part of your lives. Really, you should integrate very few of them. (laughs) (laughs) You you married this other person because you love this other person and because it is another person. Yes. The rules don't all have to be the same within a household. And and you're absolutely, I mean, certainly there are different styles, shall we say, of tidiness. 
mm-hmm. uh, certain different standards of tidiness that may be uh, asymmetrical that might cause a person, say me, <laughs> to be distracted all the time because there are socks in places where they shouldn't be. And sometimes it's just one sock and you don't know where the other one is. Places where they shouldn't be, like hands or ears? <laughs> Not on the body, on the on different parts of the floor, oh, which is to it. say any part of the floor. But. I have learned to respect that sock hampering is not always a priority for the people with whom I live. And I think that you raise a very good point. First of all, Rachel's husband stopped following Rachel around. That's not okay. But Emily Heller, you raise a very good point, which is that it it may be that Rachel's husband feels that his concerns, whatever they may be, are not being paid attention to. And that makes him feel, you know, sad and alone. And he lashes out. And it may be that his concerns are not being paid attention to by Rachel because he's annoying and <laughs> he's being really annoying about it. And she is consciously or unconsciously unclicking pens willy nilly <laughs> to show him that he's not the pen boss of her. <laughs> yes. These dynamics are not good. And I would say that Rachel's husband stopped following her. Rachel, take a minute. You don't seem to really know, or at least in your petition to this court, you speculate that he's worried about the life of the pen or the ink, but but it could be something much different that when you hear what it is, makes more sense to you. Or it yes. could be simply him saying, it just drives me to distraction. I can't explain it. Please, please, you know, if only to express your love for me, click the pens closed so I don't have to think about it all the time. And then maybe <laughs> do that a third of the time and then I'll feel okay. <laughs> Yes. Can I relate a a quick anecdote about my own relationship? I I hope you will. I believe I am the Rachel in my relationship. I am a disgusting slob who knows nothing of cleanliness. I don't think about what I do or where I put things. And I am uh, partnered with someone who is not that way. Mm -hmm. And he has in some ways civilized me. Um, And the way he has effectively and gently done that is to explain to me the reasoning behind the certain ways he's optimized his life. One of the, I think, earlier things in our relationship that he made me think about that I hadn't thought about before was, um, I should have a hand towel in my bathroom that is not the towel I rub all over my body when I get out of the shower. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As a courtesy to my guests, perhaps maybe that means that that towel is not clean if it has been rubbed all over my body, (laughs) even if it is Mm -hmm. when I get out of the shower. Mm -hmm. Or, and I should maybe not wipe my face off on the same hand towel that people are using to dry their clean hands. And uh, just walking me through the logic of that was very helpful. It was easy to grasp. I'm a smart person. I just hadn't thought about it. The lighter side of husband's systems. (laughs) Do you think you would have gotten to that understanding quicker if he had followed you around the house growling on the back of your neck? I think the most surprising thing about this letter is that they reached marriage before (laughs) understanding the reasoning behind the decisions they make around the house. Yeah. I technically find in Rachel's favor, I order her to get a whole bunch of pens that she can do with what she wishes. But hear your husband out and try to understand what he cares about and buy him a pen that only he can use. It's like an O. Henry story, but they win this time. Yes. Let's take a quick break. More docket clearing coming up in just a minute. With the great Emily Heller on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. 
Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by... Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket, joined by stand-up comic Emmy nominee winner? Nominee. 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 WGA Award winner. WGA Award winner, Emily Heller. She has a brand new stand-up comedy special coming to all of the Comedy Central uh, streaming platforms. What are we looking at? Comedy Central app? The app. Their YouTube. Their website. I think that's it. The app. Yeah. That's yes. <laughs> That's great. What's it called, Emily? Yeah. It's called Ice Thickeners. 
Ice thickeners. Oh, like uh, uh, conversations that go wrong. Not ice breakers, ice thickeners. Ways to uh, get to Im- uh, important, uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, it comes out on March 8th, International Women's Day. I set out to record a comedy special uh, with no men in the audience, and I did not succeed. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just really wanted to see the show. <laughs> uh, we well, did not I think you should tickets. hear my laughter. <laughs> However, I am asking that men refrain from watching it. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. I'm at your mercy. <laughs> the power dynamic here is complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I find out that the numbers aren't good, I would like you to pitch in and watch it. But let's just see how things play out. Well, we're so happy that you're here and here to help us dispense some more justice. Shall we continue? Here's something from Christopher. I've played video games with the same username for about eight years now. My brother's starting to become old enough to make his own accounts, and he's using names that are very similar to mine. My username for almost all my gaming accounts is Youngblood2354, and he chose to use Youngerblood2354. In a game we play together, I named a flying pet Sky. He got one and also tried to also name him Sky before I found out and stopped him. I don't believe he should be able to take the names I use. He doesn't see an issue with it. Uh, Emily, I kind of feel like I, I'm going to let you handle this one <laughs> because I'm going to be busy over here uh, walking into the ocean because I obviously have no business being alive on this earth anymore. I don't know what this is about. My experience with video games was when I was 12 or 13, my parents got me an N64 and yeah. I didn't leave the basement for a solid month and I learned a thing about myself, which is to be afraid of video games what was was your game that that took your brain over the game was banjo kazooie (laughs) and i beat it i beat it three times oh wow (laughs) uh and it messed me up for a while i I, there was a period of time where i wouldn't leave the basement for 12 hours except to get another hot pocket (laughs) Uh, but i understand intellectual property disputes Mm -hmm. i understand a sense of encroaching sibling identity Mm mm-hmm I think it's very natural for a younger sibling to look to their older siblings for guidance and to wish to emulate them before they have individuated their identity in a real way. I think... And and if I may, and I'm an only child, so I'm speaking out of turn here, but like to look to their older siblings for guidance and, and to emulate them because they love them, but if they can also get away with annoying them at the same time, that's a win-win oh, yeah. for the younger child, right? Absolutely. As the youngest of three, I can confirm that as right. true. Right. I think that uh, you're not going to get anywhere by getting your younger sibling to stop copying you. That's mm-hmm. not a thing younger siblings will ever do right? until they're adults, maybe. Uh, what you can do is to assist them in crafting their own identities in this game. Oh, all right. Take an active interest and role in how they name their creatures. Uh, Because really this stems from a sense of admiration they feel toward you. And what would mean more to them than you uh, taking an interest in this aspect of their lives? Wow. This thing that they are trying to share with you. 
You know, Emily Heller, when we find the emotional core of a, a case, we call it finding the crux. Uh, only because at one time I said, I think the crux of this is, and I, and I found it, and I'm known as the crux finder. But can I say, <laughs> it usually takes me about 75 minutes to get to the insight <laughs> that you got to just then? Absolutely. Emily, listen, Youngblood2354. First of all, your name is dumb. <laughs> Yeah, this is not the intellectual property you need to cling to. Yeah. Do I need to tell the audience that none of this is capitalized? It's all just run together. And why, why two, three, five, four? Like this is like, I understand when you're, when you're, look, I had to sign up for an AOL account. John Hodgman was taken. I had to, like, they they suggested John Hodgman 39 or whatever. And I'm like, no, I came up with something that didn't have numbers. I worked hard to come up with something that didn't have numbers at the end. So I don't know whether this is, these numbers are, assigned to you because there are at least 2,353 other Youngbloods out there, or whether this is a, an aesthetic choice that gamers use to add a whole bunch of numbers at the end of the thing. I don't care what it is. Youngblood, it's not, your name isn't that cool. Name isn't that cool. Don't worry about that. And second of all, Youngblood2354, listen to Emily Heller. Emily's telling you the truth about uh, Youngerblood2354. He loves you. Now, look, if you wanted to get back at him, I wouldn't blame you. You know what you should do? You could change your name. Change your name to his given name. His legal <laughs> first, middle, and last name. And the numbers should be his social security number. <laughs> get it from your mom. But don't dox your brother. Don't dox your brother, Youngblood. Listen, Christopher, his real name is Christopher, according to this. We don't, you have to understand, just like your little brother is like copying you both to express his, his love for you and also to sort of needle you for attention. You have to understand that we're all very elderly. And, <laughs> and when we make fun of your handle, it's only because we know that uh, we, are, we are breathing cemetery air even as we speak. <laughs> we have one foot in the earth while you are just now rising. So call yourself whatever you want. Although I must clarify, Emily and I are millennials. That's true. I'm a floating skeleton in a robe over here. <laughs> Here's something from Kira. My significant other Tim and I are trying to do our part to consume more consciously. We usually agree on how to best respect our planet, but recently we've been feuding about which grocery store to go to. Tim wants to start living hashtag zero waste and shop at a store with a hefty bulk section. Unfortunately, several local food co-ops have closed recently, meaning that the closest option for packaging-free bulk goods is provided by a grocery store owned by a certain online retailer. Mm. Fogdog.com. <laughs> I've been pushing for shopping trips to the local supermarket that has been a neighborhood institution since 1974. Though it has no bulk section, I'd rather shop at this thriving local business Instead of paying Jeff Bezos, owner of FogDog.com, <laughs> a premium for food, I'm seeking an injunction to prevent Tim from throwing our money into the coffers of an evil corporation by way of dried beans and bulk granola. John? Yes? This evil corporation is your employer. <laughs> yes, I know. I don't... Look, Emily Heller, you can disagree with me if you want. But I'm going to say this. Take it easy on the evil here, Kira. Evil. I use Amazon. 
I'm on The Tick Season 2, premiering April 5th, Amazon Prime. And, you know, the young people of the world will tell you, there is no ethical consumption in capitalism. You can't shop pure. So, you know, and how do you know that this local grocery store that everyone loves, you know, that the owner isn't uh, secretly a racist or whatever? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know who's doing the best in the world and you're doing the worst in the world. You know, maybe your local grocery store has uh, factory farm pork. Uh, how can you look in the eye of communities that have their water poisoned by pig feces in, in a factory farming area? Or maybe they're selling beef. You're destroying the earth. I mean, it's just the way it goes. I'm not a nihilist, but we don't have to speak in terms of evil necessarily. And rather than being a moral scold, I think, Kira, you could reasonably point out the contradiction in Tim's thinking and action if he wants to reduce packaging and the and the impact of packaging, then it does not make a lot of sense to go to Whole Foods and thereby support Amazon, which uses a lot of packaging. I'm not saying don't use Amazon. You make your own moral choice. But if his goal is to reduce packaging in his life, th then the, the place he's going to is, is probably not the place to go to. And he needs to find another food co-op that's a little further away or maybe a little bit more inconvenient so that he can drive his fossil fuel machine as far away as possible to save the earth from a single plastic bag or whatever it is. <laughs> Emily Heller, how do you feel about Am I just a monster or what? No, you're not a monster at all. Here's my feeling on it because I was raised by hippies and I've always tried to uh, recycle, reduce, reuse, etc. Sure. I, I grew up on that cartoon commercial where someone's brushing their teeth and the water's coming directly out of a lake and the fish in the lake calls the person on the phone to tell them to turn the water off when they're not actually putting their toothbrush under it. Yeah, so also I don't brush it. your teeth with lake water. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the truth of the world we live in. Our choices in consumption will not save us, which is not to say there's no hope. It just means that the only true way to uh, change What's happening is to uh, focus this fretting energy that you are spending worrying about your own choices on uh, pressuring your lawmakers to more thoroughly regulate the companies that are destroying the earth. Yeah. Uh, they have done a big trick on us by convincing us that our choices are to blame for what's happening and that our choices are the only way to do anything about it. Because uh, they don't want us turning on them and regulating them. What we need to do is regulate them. That's the only way out. Yeah, and and it's the Warren G solution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> part of the trickery that governments have, uh, and specifically our government, have used to avoid uh, enacting policies at, on a large scale that are going to uh, reduce waste, reduce climate change, et cetera, et cetera, have been to encourage this idea. Um, uh, tacitly and directly, that there are virtuous products you can buy that will fix the problem for you. And that's just not necessarily the case. It's just not true. Yeah. I mean, live the way you need to live. Support the businesses that you feel good about supporting. Do what good you can in the world. But, you know, don't fret and bother, as, as Emily Heller said. Don't spend so much energy fretting over whether you're each living up to your preferred hashtags uh, in terms of what you buy. Tim can go and get the food that he needs to get. And I don't care where he shops. 
and you can go shop at the local store and your dollars are going into your community in, in, in ways that balance each other out. It's not a, it's not a zero sum. And in the meantime, write a letter or call a congressperson. Yeah, or, uh, you know, just start a garden, uh, recycle your toilet water, get a worm bin going, drop out of society. There's no way to participate without contributing to uh, suffering. Uh, so, you know. Although, to be fair, there was a guy named Bob who had a show that came on after uh, Jordan and I on KZSE, our college radio station in Santa Cruz, California. And Bob lived in the woods on $80 a month and only came into society to record Angela Davis speeches to cassette tape that he could then replay (laughs) on his radio show. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he would record the Angela Davis speeches to cassette tape, he would often uh, mess up our recording of our radio show. And that's why there's some of our radio shows that I don't have a recording of. Uh, so, you know, you could be that virtuous and still be causing and still pain. Be, yeah. When I lived in Santa Cruz. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. I I lived in a house where someone else who lived in the woods decided to move in with us. And I was not consulted on this decision. And uh, this person liked to live off the land. We should explain. Uh, this person was a marmot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this person liked to... Uh, dig things out of dumpsters and uh, eat roadkill and things like that. And um, that sometimes led them to putting roadkill in our freezer uh, without asking us. And that also might have been the more conscientious consumption, but it still made that person a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kira, I got I got a rule in, in Tim's favor here. I think you should point out to him the inherent contradiction if he wants to reduce packaging in his life. Uh, that his particular behavior is uh, embracing. You can find him some better bulk places to go that maybe he can bike to, but otherwise stay out of his way. Hashtag life is a lonely journey. You'll never be pure. Uh, Take action, vote, and uh, uh, pressure governments to regulate businesses. Is that right, Emily Heller? That's what you said, right? That is correct. And I have no opinion as an NPR (laughs) journalist. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear about tap water and the knock versus handle jiggle debate with re-restrooms. We'll be back in just a second on the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. With me, Judge John Hodgman, our guest, stand-up comic and WGA award winner, Ms. Emily Heller, also co-host of the Great Baby Geniuses podcast. Here's something from Patrick. I have a dispute with my wife, Tara. Both of us are perfectly fine with drinking tap water, but she harbors a prejudice against filling a water bottle from a bathroom tap. She's not an otherwise germaphobic person, so I find this specific objection to drinking perfectly good tap water irrational. Mm. Mm. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Emily Heller, what do you think? Do you know if he's talking about, like, the bathroom at their house or, like, public bathrooms? I think he's talking about public bathrooms. There was a broader context in the original petition that we edited down for length a little bit. Uh, Sorry, Patrick. Um, But it was pretty clear that uh, Patrick was talking about in a public place, if they could not find a water fountain or a bottle refilling station, uh, he would take his bottle into the bathroom and fill it up. And uh, Patrick's wife, Tara or Tara, would say no thank you to that. And he's like, that's irrational and you must drink it. So I'm not a scientist, but I do know this. When you smell poop, it's because there's a little piece of poop in your nose. (laughs) That's correct, right? Mm-hmm. Which means yeah, that's just basic natural philosophy. It's just basic. Sure. Uh, so, if you're in a bathroom and you can smell anything that you don't want on the lip of your water bottle, I absolutely understand why you wouldn't fill it up in there. And there's all those reports that came out about those uh, electric hand dryers. How what they're actually doing is just aerosolizing. Spo- yes, they're just uh, launching. All of the germs from your hands all over the walls of that bathroom. Uh, the water itself might be fine, but the faucet that it might is coming out of is just covered in little pieces of poop. And I think that it's reasonable to be squicked out by that. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not you're in real danger, I think it doesn't matter. You want to uh, want to drink the water. Yeah. I agree with you. And I, I mean, like, Patrick could go into the, that bathroom and take swabs and send them to a lab and be able to prove scientifically that there is no little bits of poop floating around and that would not transmit to the water. But this is one of those little weirdsies that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And and little weirdsies is a little bit, I mean, uh, credit, of course, to... Linda Holmes, our friend, uh, for inventing this term, which I think encapsulates it perfectly. Um, the only imperfection about it is that it's, it can be—it seems a little diminishing, right? There's nothing little about a little weird. See, if you feel it, you feel it, and if you're causing no one else any harm, then there's no reason not to respect that feeling. It's like it smells like poop in here, and I don't want to drink water out of this thing. I'd rather wait. It's hard enough to get yourself to drink water in the first place. It's boring. Yeah. Uh, it's tedious. It tastes worse than other things. I'm going to be honest with you guys. If there was a sparkling water faucet in a public bathroom, yeah. <laughs> I'd drink straight out straight of out the of water it. bottle sure. and by mouth on the handle. Oh, yeah. But that's you, Jesse Thorne. That's you. Yeah, that's true. I'm normal, and we're talking about weirdsies. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think here's the thing, though. I think the point of a relationship as intimate as a marriage is specifically to get close enough to someone that you can say, here are my weirdsies. Love me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's what the a only reason thing to say to be That's with a... another person. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise it's, it's really a pain in the digestive tract hole. <laughs> To be with another person. I mean, there are obviously intrinsic benefits and and sort of unexplainable, magical things to sharing your life with someone else. But if you're expecting the other person to adjust to your own weirdsies, which you which you mask as rationality, if you're expecting someone to click the ballpoint pen in the way you need the ballpoint pen to be clicked and mask your weirdsy as the only scientific right way to do a thing is is punitive <laughs> and strange. And what Emily Heller said, I think everyone should listen to again and again. Hit your hit your 15 second rewind button on your podcast machine. Just Maybe listen a to few it times. over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I you know, listen, full disclosure, I had therapy this morning. <laughs> So I'm approaching this from a, a much rawer, more emotional place than I would on a different day. But I just think the world is so beautiful and messed up that we need to love each other. Thanks, Emily. You can cut that I out. I agree with you. <laughs> no. no, I think we're cutting all the rest of the show out. Yeah. Yeah, it's just going to be a one-sentence podcast, finally. <laughs> I mean, preference in food, in art, in music in where we go to shop, what kind of experience we want to have when we go out into the world, knowing what makes us feel gross and knowing what makes us feel good. This isn't about adhering to a hashtag to be morally uh, uh, consistent. Hashtag moral consistency. Sure, thank you very much. This isn't about <laughs> hashtag adhering, van life. This isn't about adhering to a completely strict rational logical order um, in order to honor science or logic in some way. D- you develop preferences in order to survive, in order to make life more happy and less sort of miserable to get through. And when you know that you don't like something, that's not easy to know. But when you know you don't like it and you avoid it, that's great. And it's not easy to even know what you like, right? Because there are a lot of people telling you what you should like and what you shouldn't like. When you know what you like and you go and you get it, that's great too. Preference is a survival tactic. It is not uh, an arbitrary, irrational thing. Um, so long as your preferences don't hurt other people. And so long as you're like Emily Heller, you, you, you're, you're talking to yourself, you're talking to your therapist or whoever it is in your life. And you're getting to, you're getting to know that your preferences are real and not just stuff that you've inherited from an upbringing or from a commercial or something. We also heard from past litigant, Laura from episode 161 cold case, uh, her dispute at the time. And that's quite some time ago now was about whether or not to run the air conditioning. But the case was also the catalyst for one of our tenets of settled law. John, do you want to share the tenet in question since it was one that you determined? I was so happy to hear from Laura. You may recall that Laura was living with her then boyfriend in Germany, and she wanted to get an air conditioner, and he did not. And we talked about the cultural differences between Europe and America with regard to air conditioning, and eventually they did not get an air conditioner. But I learned during that case that they lived within driving distance of a massive indoor German water park. 
housed in a former Zeppelin factory. <gasps> and they had not yet been to it. <gasps> and I got angry at them about it. And so it is now, it's now settled law in this court that if you are within 250 miles of a German water park that is housed in a former Zeppelin factory, it is mandatory that you visit it. And send me the bill if you have to. But she was writing in this case about a dispute, Emily Heller, that we had with regard to proper etiquette when you're in a shared space, like a workspace, and the bathroom door is uh, closed and you don't know if there's someone in there and it's a single-use bathroom. Do you knock on the door or do you jiggle the handle to check if it is locked? And you know it's a single-use bathroom? Yeah, there's only one facility in there. There's one there's one hole for your digestive tract hole. You knock. Knock. Of course you knock. You don't jiggle of the handle. That's going to freak someone out. No, I'm a handle jiggler. I think it's less freaky than knocking. Oh, well, let's hear what uh, what Laura had to say about this very dispute. Jesse Thorne, will you read the letter, please? There's significant debate about this in my office, which has a particularly bad bathrooms-to-people ratio. One of our co-workers has started responding to knocks with, Come in. (laughs) I really like this as an alternative to the options you discussed because it turns the table. It makes the knocker feel weird and uncomfortable. We don't know who this co-worker is because people usually flee the bathroom upon hearing that reply. I love the mystery bathroom ghost who goes, come in. I endorse that solution. So this was episode 161. We're now on episode 400 something. This is like ancient history. And as much as I am grateful to Laura for writing in, I'm mad at her because she didn't let me know. She went to the water park and took oh pictures. And, it's the most... and she didn't tell you about it? And she didn't tell me about it. Like we're not the oldest friends. So how did you find out about the pictures? I just said, did you ever go to that water park like I told you to do? And she said, (laughs) oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to tell you. As if you had no stake in this? Yeah. It's like like we as if we hadn't shared life together. And of course, we have Laura's pictures from Tropical Islands Water Park in Germany on our show page at MaximumFun.org and on our Instagram, Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. You can check them out there. Emily, your brand new stand-up comedy special is going to be on all of Comedy Central's digital platforms on March 8th. That's March 8th. International Women's Day. Please, no men watch it, unless she's unhappy with the numbers, in which case, please do. I am at your mercy. The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is the ever-capable Ms. Jennifer Marmer. Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO. And check out our Maximum Fund subreddit at MaximumFun.reddit.com to discuss this episode. If you've got a case for Judge John Hodgman, we want to hear it. You can submit it at MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O or just email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.